Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition, Human Events Daily. First up, an exclusive Human Events Rasmussen poll shows the public is deeply concerned over Biden's supply chain disruption. Next, the Chicago police force is facing a 50% reduction in cops on patrol due to the coronavirus vaccine mandate. Next, new report out of the Pentagon, suicide has killed more soldiers in just the past few months than COVID since the start of the pandemic. And finally, Kavanaugh and Kagan are getting into it over the Boston bomber death penalty case. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Now, we know that supply chain disruption has been a huge factor this week and, of course, going into Q4, going into essentially looking at Christmas. That's why I've told people, if you want to go to MyPillow.com, promo code POSO, you get the products that are made in America, you get them now, make sure you put your orders in because Christmas is coming and Biden's supply chain disruptions mean that if your product was made overseas, it might not make it by Christmas. Now listen to what Jen Psaki had to say recently about this. Based on everything being announced today, yeah. can this administration guarantee that holiday packages will arrive on time? We are not the Postal Service or UPS or FedEx. Uh, we cannot guarantee. What we can do is use every lever at the federal government disposal to reduce uh, delays, to ensure that we are uh, addressing bottlenecks in the system, including uh, ports and the, the need for them to be open longer hours so that goods can arrive. Uh, and we can continue to press uh, not only uh, workers and, and unions, but also companies to take as many steps as they can to reduce these delays. Now. Human events. Now, over at Human Events, I'm the senior editor. So if you go to humanevents.com, you can read all about this. We just co-sponsored a poll with Rasmussen, all about supply chains. Listen to what we found. Americans are deeply concerned about the supply chain crisis and expect federal government action. A new telephone and online survey by Rasmussen Reports and Human Events finds that 85% of American adults are concerned that supply chain problems may lead to shortages of basic items, including 49% who say they are very concerned. Only 11% were not concerned about the problem. Concerns have grown amid reports that dozens of cargo ships are waiting to be unloaded near the port of Los Angeles, while thousands of cargo containers are piled up in the port of Savannah, Georgia, on the East Coast. 62% of Americans say they've already noticed shortages of basic items in stores where they live. Only 30% say they haven't. Again, 65% say that they believe the federal government should take action to help fix the problems currently affecting the U.S. supply chain. Ladies and gentlemen, we're headed towards Christmas. We are hurtling towards multiple crises on multiple fronts. You've got constitutional crises. You've got a financial crisis that's burgeoning. Why do you think crypto is exploding right now, especially with Bitcoin? Hyperinflation, it's here. It's just already here. There's the same reason that the real estate market is heating up and taking off right now so much, right? It's not because more people are getting into the real estate market, it's because people want to park their money in real estate to use that as a store of wealth. The supply chain issue is driving inflation, it's keeping your products scarce, right at the time that's supposed to be, that you know, for a lot of retailers, this is their biggest quarter of the year. This is the year that, they, that essentially covers the rest of the year. 
All of this lies at the feet of Joe Biden and the federal government and their policies. Stores not being able to put products on the shelves. And we're also hearing at some points, in some parts, Costco, Sam's Club, they're talking about rationing. They're talking about rationing your products and putting caps on how much you're allowed to buy of certain goods. Does that sound like anything to anybody? Does that sound like a little place, a little country? What was it called? What was it called again? Oh, right, yes, the Soviet Union. This is the problem with central planning. Central planning always falls apart. And then Joe Biden said, well, we really need to get the private sector involved. Do you, do you, do you, who do you think runs the supply chain, Joe? Who do you think's actually running this stuff? Because I assure you, it ought not to be the government. You need to get Anthony Fauci out of the supply chain business. You need to get all of these laws and regulations off the books. Allow the logistics experts in this country, the people who want to obviously maintain a financial gain from this. And most importantly, I said it yesterday, I'm gonna say it again. You need to take off these stupid regulations that aren't allowing us to achieve energy independence, to use the energy resources that we have right here in the United States to bring down the cost of diesel. If you bring down the cost of diesel, that will absolutely flood the trucking market. You will see trucks going up and down the highways all day and night if you do this, Joe because you need to create a financial, people respond to incentives. It's as simple as that. But this is the problem with the left. They don't understand that humans respond to incentives. They think that they can get everyone to go along with their utopian dreams and it never ever works. You've heard me say it before, I'm going to say it again. Get out of cities. This is the headline out of Chicago. The Chicago Police Union will have a police force at 50% or less this weekend coming up due to vaccine requirements. Let me repeat that. Chicago will have a police force at 50% or less due to vaccine requirements. Have you seen anything that's going on in Chicago lately that might give you the idea that Chicago maybe, just maybe, could use a police force? Our cities are being run into the ground. Our once great American cities are being dismantled and the anarcho-tyranny is running rampant in the streets. San Francisco, they're lighting homeless people on fire. New York, you've got people shooting up like it's a, like it's a shooting gallery. In Philadelphia, there's an area, they call it Kensington Beach. Why do they call it Kensington Beach? It's not a beach. It's because people are lying on the streets after taking heroin and fentanyl and all this different stuff, and because the addicts are lying out on the street, they call it Kensington Beach because there's so many of them. Listen to this audio from the head of the police union in Chicago. Morning, the FOP president says they will file paperwork today to see if a judge will grant them a temporary restraining order that would stop officers from being forced into revealing their vaccination status. But history shows they may have an uphill battle. Speaking from his West Loop office last night, Fraternal Order of Police President John Catanzara lays out the reasons why he believes the city has overstepped its bounds when it comes to vaccine mandates. 
I do not believe the city has the authority to mandate that to anybody, let alone that information about your medical history and change the terms of employment, so to speak, on the fly, and you have to comply. Mayor Lightfoot mandated city employees who are not fully vaccinated by Friday to be tested twice a week on their own time and using their own money or be placed on no-pay status. The reality is the city acknowledged from the beginning their obligation to bargain in good faith over this subject. They have refused. In a written statement, a city spokesperson said, quote, the city of Chicago continues to bargain in good faith with the Fraternal Order of Police and the Policemen's Benevolent and Protective Association to reach a fair and workable policy that will keep our first responders safe. Now, we've talked about it all this week. We know what this is. This is the freedom flu. Let me read from WQAD.com. In the video posted online, first reported on by the Chicago Sun-Times, he vowed to take Mayor Lightfoot, this is the FOP, to court if it tries to enforce the mandate, which requires city workers to report their vaccine status by the end of the work week. After Friday, unvaccinated workers won't submit to semi-equally, uh, semi-weekly coronavirus testing will be placed on unpaid leave suggested that if the city does enforce this requirement and many union members refuse to comply with it, that the city police force will be at 50% or less for the weekend coming up. Now, the mayor, of course, didn't respond. So understand this. Understand this. You are now seeing a city. We talked about the airlines. We talked about trucking. We talked about the supply chain issues. We talked about the shipyards issues where our Navy is now facing the ability where we're not going to be able to refit, refurbish, our submarines and our aircraft carriers because of a potential threat in the South China Sea or elsewhere, because the shipyard workers are getting cracked down with this vaccine mandate as well. And now we're talking about the police, it's starting in Chicago. You know this is gonna happen with every other major city in the United States. We already had a vastly reduced police force because of the defund the police movement. People, police were resigning, right? It just make, again, I keep saying this, people respond to incentives. It's just as simple as that. If you demonize them, if you tell them that you are going to prosecute them for performing their jobs within the guidelines of the police regulations, the city regulations, you're gonna throw them in jail over viral videos, they're going to leave. They are going to walk off and say, you know what, it ain't worth it. I'm gonna move, I'm gonna pull chocks, I'm going to go somewhere else, somewhere where they actually want to keep people safe. It's as simple as that. And that doesn't mean that you sit there and you pound your chest and go back the blue, right? Obviously, there's going to be problems. There are corrupt politicians, and every once in a while, you get corrupt police officers as well. It's as simple as that. It's also part of human failing, which is part of human nature, which comes from original sin, etc., etc. Now, we are talking about a systemic level. You are going to see this. We talked about it yesterday in the military. You're seeing people kicked out of the military, facing court-martial because of this. You're seeing police officers now faced with make this choice, take it or leave. Take it or leave. These are ultimatums. What do you think is going to happen? Is the safety of our communities, the safety of our cities that have seen, by the way, absolutely exploding homicide rates go up since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic? you are going to see absolute chaos like you've never seen before in America's major city. And it's simple as that. So people come up to me, they, they come up to me at events. Uh, when I was out in Florida last, it was at Ave Maria. Some, some folks came up to me after church there and they said, hey, we, you know, we follow you. You always say, get out of cities. What do you mean? I say, get out, I mean, get out of cities. If you are in a large area, 
that has crime, it is going to explode. We're seeing carjackings. DC just had an actual bank robbery, like, like guns drawn, masks on, bank robbery. And of course, they're all just kind of explaining it away. Be smart. Get out of cities. Now, we talk a lot about the decline of our military, the readiness of our military on this show. We're not going to shy away from that. I'm a veteran. I have friends of people who are still serving, active, reserve, etc. This is one of the most important things going on in the country. It's probably the most important thing going on in the country today, but we don't talk about it. The media doesn't want to focus on it. And that's suicides in the military. And the Federalist has this, the headline out of a new Pentagon report, suicide killed more than twice as many U.S. soldiers in three months, just the last three months, than COVID has since the pandemic began. And I want to be clear, by the way, actually, this is just talking about April to the end of June in 2021. That means that this huge surge in military, right, in military suicides does not even include the events of the Afghanistan withdrawal and the shocking humiliation of the United States on the world stage. When those numbers roll out for Q3, we're gonna report them the same way we always has. Here's General Milley talking about this. This year, America's armed forces, along with the rest of the nation, observed Suicide Prevention Month to raise awareness about the significant health crisis. Suicide affects all Americans. It's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. National data shows that suicide is on the rise in young adults ages 18 to 25, and every loss to suicide is a horrible human tragedy. Whether it's our teammate, a family member, or our friend, whether you serve in the active or reserve components, have recently transitioned out of the military, or you are a family member of someone who serves for our country, we are all strong and resilient. But we are not immune. We are not immune from life's challenges. Across the military, at all levels of leadership, our commitment to each other is unwavering, and it takes all of us to prevent suicide. Now, here's what I don't get, right? Here's what I don't get. This many people are dying from suicide. It is twice as many in three months than the entire COVID-19 pandemic. COVID-19 is real, came from Wuhan. But this suicide epidemic is so much more deadly to the military, to military communities. And yet what is the military and the government putting their focus on? They're putting all their focus on COVID. And, you know, Millie puts out his little press statements. He does his videos. He presides over our complete humiliation in Afghanistan. He sits there and says he cares so much. No. We know what it's like when the military and the government want somebody. We know what it was like when they went after Julian Assange. We know what that looked like. They throw the book at it. We know what it looks like when they're going after COVID. They lock down and shut down everything, force people to take uh, the vaccination, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't they taking the military suicides seriously? Why aren't they doing this? If you're someone who signs up to serve in the US Army, you're writing a blank check up to and including the ultimate sacrifice of your life for your country. The least the country could do, the least they could do is address what's going on. And don't get me wrong, there's programs out there, but they're not 
working. None of it is working. You would not see these spikes in suicide. You would not see this atrocious level of carnage and death. Think of the families. Think that you already have a family. When you're in a military family, that means the spouse, the kids, that means bye-bye. You're not going to see your soldier, right? Because they're going to be gone. Are they going to in six months, nine months, 18 months, whatever it is. If you're in the Navy, you're going on deployment. But we care so much about the families. Well, now the deployment screwed them up. So they're coming back, PTSD, treating it with alcohol, self-medicating, all the various problems that it gets run into, and it eventually devolves into suicide. I think there are some great people that are fighting this from the veteran front, and I absolutely applaud them and support them. And if anybody wants to reach out to the show, we'll do everything we can. We'll do everything we can to support their efforts. But the military, the Pentagon, Milly, you are not taking this seriously. You are having soldiers die on your watch and you're not doing anything about it. You're too worried about forcing people to take this vaccine and kicking them out of the military than you are about doing the right thing for your people. It's time for an update on the Boston bombing case. Now, this is something that I've been following very closely since April of 2013, because as I said before publicly, I did have a family member who was wounded in the attack, um, uh, double amputee. And so looking at this, obviously it's been a huge story, one that hasn't always been on the headlines or in the headlines as much as it should be, but something that I think everyone, every American really needs to take seriously, especially because of the fact that the FBI knew about both of these brothers. Uh, the older brother was able to travel somehow to Dagestan and back without a passport while on a watch list while the Russians had warned us of the situation, had warned us the radicalization, but for some reason, uh, he was able to travel back and forth from a, you know, obviously a very uh, tense area, an area that's seen a lot of terrorist groups, Chechnya, and able to come back without, uh, without flagging anyone. Why did the FBI allow him to do that? Very interesting, very interesting. We also know that the FBI did discuss them with them becoming informants. So, see what's going on with that. Now, the older brother, of course, Tamerlan Zarnaev, was killed in the escape from the Boston bombing, the huge, uh, really, police manhunt that went out for them. But the younger brother was taken alive. So the younger brother was put on trial. He was sentenced to death by a federal jury. However, the death sentence was taken off. Remember, of course, the younger brother, he's the one who placed a pressure cooker bomb in front of an eight-year-old boy, uh, killing him instantly. So. The death penalty was taken off because they believed that there were problems with the way that the court ran the death penalty phase of that trial. And there's a chance that that should be redone. There were also hearing, by the way, from some of the Supreme Court watchers, this is going all the way to the Supreme Court now. And because of this, there's a chance due to what's seen as the conservative majority on the court that that death penalty may actually be placed back on. So Amy Coney Barrett was doing questioning recently, uh, Kavanaugh was doing questioning, but listen to this. This is very interesting audio that came from the Supreme Court in oral questioning where you actually have a case that this does not happen. This is super rare where Kagan and Kavanaugh actually start debating. She cuts him off while he's asking a question to the government prosecutor about what's going on. She cuts him off and interjects. And it's not, it, okay, it's not as spicy as something that you might hear in the Senate, certainly not in the House, and definitely not when, uh, when TP Live holds debate night. But for the Supreme Court, this is a huge, huge breach of decorum. It's not something that you hear up there. And so listen to what Elena Kagan did when she cut off Kavanaugh. 
Um, I, but I just want to make sure the premise, I mean, the premise yes. was assumed away. The premise was assumed away because that's the role of the jury. Well, I think it's important to discuss the district court's reasoning. And the district court said, we don't know what happened. Uh, and the district court, I mean, maybe to answer Justice Kagan's question, uh, does the district court have a gatekeeping role here or not? And maybe that's Justice Alito's question, too. Now, of course, the liberal justices are starting to say that the original court erred in excluding evidence. But uh, essentially what's going on is, was that mitigating evidence anything that would change the situation? Again, like I said, Joe Garzaniyev, the younger brother, knew what he was doing when he placed a pressure cooker bomb in front of an eight-year-old boy at the start-finish line of the Boston Marathon and blew him up killing him instantaneously. Now, regardless of what your views are on the death penalty, we do have a federal death penalty, even though, of course, Biden has said he's not going to enforce it. But if we have a death penalty, this is the exact kind of case that you want to implement it for. Someone who is unrepentant and someone who brutally killed a child. That's all the time we have for today on HE Daily. I want to thank you so much again for watching. But before I go, Remind everyone, share this out with your normie friends. Put a review on the podcast. Go to your Apple Podcast app. Leave us a review. It actually helps us out so much. Our motto, of course, be good, be brief, be gone. Support us so we can continue making this content for you. But before I go, it's time for today's moment in history. October 15th, all the way back, all the way back, 1583 is the date that the Gregorian calendar, Pope Gregory, instituted it, and it was actually adopted by Italy, Spain, and Poland. So believe it or not, the calendar that everyone uses today, most widely used today, comes all the way back from Pope Gregory issuing that calendar so many, almost 500 years ago. Absolutely incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.